Welcome. This is Detailing Addiction. I'm Dr. Susan Blank, and you're listening to America's Web Radio. Today in studio, I have with me David Donaldson from the Atlanta Healing Center. Hi, Susan. How are you? I'm very good. How are you today? I am very well, thank you. Happy to be here and happy to be celebrating Recovery Month. As I'm sure some of our listeners may remember, September is designated Recovery Month by the uh, sub- Substance Abuse Mental Health Services Administration, or SAMHSA, and it is supported by a number of national, state, and local organizations in an effort to help educate people about the disease of addiction and to help promote prevention activities as well as inform folks about what to do if they do have a problem and how to find help for themselves or for their families. The theme for this year's Recovery Month is Join the Voices for Recovery. Invest in health, home, purpose, and community. Again, trying to help decrease some of the stigma associated with the disease of addiction and trying to help people understand that this disease may affect the individual, but it also affects their family, their home, their community, and um, as we're going to look at today, it can affect everyone, even globally. So, if you would like more information, go to recoverymonth.gov, that's .gov, and you'll be able to find local information about recovery events that are happening all this month in your area, in your state, and certainly across the nation. Also, there's a lot of information available for folks how to identify when someone has a problem with um, the disease of addiction, and where to go for help. So please check that out, and we will be uh, focusing on different aspects of this um, in a more global way throughout the month. And this month, we're going to be focusing on uh, the global issues related to alcohol. Now, a lot has been said about Opioids, and we have certainly talked about that and marijuana for um, a good portion of the year. But we're going to step back a little bit and really look at the global impact of the disease of addiction and use and misuse of drugs. And when we look at that, alcohol is really a very big player across the globe. And the World Health Organization has been working on some global strategies to help us reduce the consumption of alcohol and reduce the impact of alcohol. So this is a big deal. So if you're going to keep your voice through this. (laughs) (laughs) I better slow down, huh? Yeah, this has actually been a pretty interesting um, um, beginning of National Addiction Week in terms of the number of stories that have come out related specifically to alcohol. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times it's been the opiate crisis right. or the the various trends of other addictions mm-hmm. that have come up. But this year what I've been noticing is a lot more related to alcohol-specific worldwide. Um, and it's it's 
on the one hand, you know, you you recognize that this isn't just an America problem. In right. fact, it's much much worse in many areas <laughs> of the uh, parts of the world. But from what I'm discovering, and people are trying a lot of different things to try and get a grasp on it. So, um, to begin doing some real talking about it and realizing that there are uh, different approaches and different things that are working, and and just see what's out mm-hmm. there. And that was uh, a big purpose in about 2010, the World Health Organization holding a summit with 123 nation partners to begin to discuss what are the issues that the different regions of the world and the different countries are having with alcohol, how is that impacting the health of their uh, citizens, how is it affecting the economy, what other kinds of impact are they seeing related to the use of alcohol? And they began this process of developing a strategy for first identifying the scope of the problem by implementing some uh, strategies to measure the, um, the impact. One of the first things they had to do was try and agree on how are they going to measure alcohol consumption. Mm-hmm. Uh, because some of the um, countries use gallons and some of the countries use liters and some of the countries use percentage of alcohol in a drink and others use um, alcohol equivalents. So looking at what is the actual amount of alcohol, not the percentage of alcohol, but the amount of alcohol in this particular type of drink, and, um, and then how do, we, how do we bring that down so that we're all talking about the same thing? You wouldn't think of that being such a big problem, and yet that was one of the first hurdles they had to overcome was what's a, what kind of measurement are we going to use to be able to compare what a standard drink is. Correct. You know, and they have the, the recommendations for safe drinking, right. um, which we talked about drinking. a few weeks ago for mm-hmm. low-risk drinking really isn't all that low-risk. Um, and isn't that safe, but okay. <laughs> but beginning to, to really measure in the different countries what just that quantity was um, mm-hmm. was quite a debate. I was um, really intrigued uh, by an approach they're taking in Scotland Mm because when I was first looking at at the the monitoring that was being done and the different approaches that was being done, it Mm -hmm. just jumped out at me. What jumped out at me first was that, you know, in these – we do – here we do a monitoring the future. Right. Where they interview high school kids and mm-hmm. junior high school kids about their their situations. Um, so they have a different name for it in Scotland, but basically it's still the same thing. And they're looking at um, at the use of alcohol and drugs at these ages. Mm-hmm. And the percentage that they said for 13-year-olds who had had alcohol within the last week just grabbed my attention. You know, because yeah, a lot of times you see how much admitting to having had it within the last mm-hmm. year. Right. And and that percentage is surprising. But this is, these are kids, 13-year-olds. Right. Um, and, and talking to some of the mothers there in Scotland, the issue that they're having is the, the kids would just rather stay home and drink than go to school. Um, so the impact it's having in Scotland in particular was just huge. It's so funny that you say that because... Uh, you sent me that article to look at, and I was l- 
looking at the article and flipping through some channels on TV, and I won't mention what or who, but uh, did see a comedian who had come out with a new um, special uh, show, and he was uh, from Scotland. Okay. And he was talking about what his life was like growing up and that his mother was a... Um, a PhD in molecular biology, and his father was uh, some other, you know, highly educated individual, and how tough that was for him as a comedian to be able to um, uh, talk about how he suffered and he was neglected and how he had these very liberal parents. And he said that he was about 15, 14 or 15, and he went to his parents and he was trying to get a, a rise out of them. And he said, so I'm, I'm going to go ahead and start drinking. And they just looked at him and said, well, this is Scotland. <laughs> so it was so, okay, you're 15, da-da. It's time. It's time. What's wrong with you? We've been wondering why it's taken you so long. Obviously, two years late. Two years late, according to this article. But I just thought that was so interesting, and that probably would have gone right by me, um, except for this article pointing out how early and how frequently these uh, young children in Scotland were using alcohol. When we look at some of the data about the United States, um, which we'll talk about a little bit later in the show, it doesn't look a whole lot better. Yeah, it's not quite so different, actually. Not quite so different. Um, so this is, um, Scotland has really picked up the um, uh, the mantle, so to speak, and has really decided that they were going to make some, some real uh, strides in trying to identify the scope of the problem and then look at some of the ways in which they might be able to decrease or um, change um, the mortality and the morbidity that's associated with alcohol use in their, in their country. Um, according to the World Health Organization, 3.3 million deaths, or 5.9, almost 6% of all global deaths, are directly related to alcohol. And in Scotland and other countries, as we'll talk about, uh, we see the further north you are on the globe, or the further south you are, and by that I don't mean South Carolina, I mean... <laughs> Australia, Australia, uh, south regions of South America. What you see is um, the further away from the equator you are, the more likely that that country is to have a high rate of alcohol use. And when you even look at Scotland compared to the rest of the United Kingdom, Scotland's further north. <laughs> so if you want to get really technical about this, um, the further north you are, it tends to be uh, that they have a higher rate of alcohol consumption and a higher rate of deaths and illnesses and injuries related to the use of alcohol compared to countries that are a little bit closer to the equator. Yeah, that was that was pretty interesting. There was actually a, um, another link there that was looking globally at um, at causes of death, and they had cancers and they had. Mm -hmm. um, kidney disease and they had all of these other things and then they specifically had alcohol as right. a cause of death and and on this one you could had an interactive map where you could click on the different countries and as you were saying most of the northern real very northern so right. russia um scotland finland 
um, all of them, and then down in the very, very southern, um, um, I'm hemisphere. <laughs> hemisphere. I'm going to the wrong place. Uh, Australia, uh-huh. um, still, still very high. Um, so in Scotland, what they've decided is to try to address the problem. They're trying to get rid of the uh, inexpensive alcohol. Trying to get alcohol out of the hands of children by by um, putting a minimum price per unit of alcohol sold. Um, which is interesting, and they've they've just gone into effect in May. They started to try for this a couple of years ago and couldn't get it approved, but mm-hmm. it went into effect in May, um, and it's going to be um, it will expire in five years if the if the government allows it to. But they're going to do a report on it in four years to see if it's having an impact. So it'll be interesting to watch. And one of the things that they pointed out was. Uh, uh, in this report from Scotland was the fact that the price of alcohol has actually gone down unlike other goods and services in that country um, and that the price of alcohol because of the alcohol that is actually manufactured in Scotland and we can all talk about what that those particular spirits might be but um, that it's cheaper than other places in the United Kingdom, mm-hmm. uh, than <coughs> Wales or England. Uh, and so when, when they looked at that, um, this was part of their struggle was that it was so cheap and getting cheaper, more and more people could drink. Please stay tuned. We're going to take a break, but we're going to talk a little bit more about the global impact of alcohol. Thanks for listening. The disease of addiction is a life-altering challenge not just for the person suffering its effects, but also for the family and friends who support and love the one caught in its grasp. What should be the course of treatment? Who is the best person to render treatment? And what is the best place to go for the care that is needed? We know that you want answers to these and many more questions. Call 770-696-9862 and speak to a representative of the Atlanta Healing Center. They can tailor a program specifically designed to address the needs of the person suffering with an addiction or give you guidance as to where that help may be found. Information is the key, and the trained staff at AHC is here to assist. If you wish, you can also get more information on the website located at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. You know, you really can't appreciate what someone has gone through until you walk a mile in their shoes. That is why we are bringing the first annual Walk a Mile in Her Shoes to Atlanta. We are literally asking men to walk a mile in high heel shoes to express empathy for women who have been victim of sexual assault. Are you man enough? If so, join us Saturday, September 22nd at Historic Fourth Ward Park. For more information, go to Atlanta Walk a Mile in Her Shoes dot everydayhero.do. Perhaps you are struggling to cope with the disease of addiction. If not, you probably know a family member or friend that needs help in battling the cravings and the personal and professional damage done by the effects of drugs or alcohol. Get a pen and paper and be ready to write down the following. These are the issues that the trained staff at the Atlanta Healing Center address and treat every day. Their doctors and counselors with over 40 years of practice in the field of addiction can treat the suffering individual in a thoughtful, compassionate, and experienced manner and guide him or her along the path to recovery. 
So call 770-696-9862 and speak to a knowledgeable staff member about how you or your loved one can be helped to enjoy a better and healthier life. More information is also available on the website at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back. This is Detailing Addiction. I'm Dr. Susan Blank, and you're listening to America's Web Radio. Today in studio with me, I have David Donaldson from the Atlanta Healing Center, and we're here celebrating the uh, National Recovery Month, and the theme of this year is um, Join the Voices for Recovery. This is a a really important um, focus on trying to look at the impact of drugs, not just on the individual, but on the family, on the community. And uh, we're taking it a little bit further. We're taking this globally today by looking specifically at the impact of alcohol. And uh, we'll bring it on down um, a little bit closer to home um, in a few minutes. But I think it is really important to understand that alcohol, while legal, except in a few countries around the world, uh, most countries it is uh, available legally, varying ages, even within the United States, varying ages in which a young person can drink. But um, it's legal it still is one of the major, major causes of death and other kinds of illnesses. When the World Health Organization looked at that, they, they noted that primarily the disease of addiction, which is a neuropsychiatric problem, but also things like alcohol withdrawal and alcohol seizures contribute majorly to expenses and um, and ongoing problems and even death for people who are either drinking to the point of alcohol poisoning where they have literally overdosed or they have tried to stop drinking and then had um, these kinds of terrible withdrawal seizures that affect many people. And uh, this is a, a major concern for them, and they list that as their number one yeah, they directly problem. directly connected to the use of alcohol, um, and and you know that that tends to get minimized. You don't right. really hear about the people who are dying because of alcohol withdrawal, and you rarely rarely hear the ones who are are having are having other direct consequences. You know, we often in in groups will talk about how alcohol impacts every system in the body. There was right. one slide, one, one doctor was talking about how it affects everything except the ears. Um, <laughs> and, you know, you want to question about the ears and, right. <laughs> and, and figure out what he's talking about. But what he's really saying is it impacts your cardiovascular system. It impacts your, your um, reproductive system. Right. It impacts everything that's going your on. Your liver, your skin, your largest organ in the body. Many people um, don't think, well, how would alcohol affect the skin? But you often see people covered in bruises and having um, a particular changes in the, uh, the color of their skin 
not just related to having uh, cirrhosis or liver disease, but literally because their platelets, the blood clotting agents in their blood, are too few and are not um, working appropriately because they're immature, being prematurely released from the bone marrow causes these um, unusual bruises that people who have been drinking heavily will get. So it affects every organ. I'm going to have to go do some research about the ears, but... <laughs> but to, that's to see where it is in terms of impacting the, the hearing system. Right. But you often, when people are, are in recovery, when they're at about 30 days clean, they will comment on how people are telling them they look younger, that they look so much healthier, because the skin in particular mm-hmm. will bounce back and, right. and it's a, it heals, you know, until it doesn't. Um, and so post stopping drinking you'll you'll recognize a lot of the health benefits of stopping drinking um, but you don't really necessarily think about all these other systems that are impacted right so um, certainly we think about liver cirrhosis and pancreatitis both of these diseases are almost always associated with alcohol not everyone but so so common is this that if someone shows up in the emergency room or in their doctor's office with either acute or chronic pancreatitis or liver failure, cirrhosis, they're not believed that they don't drink. And occasionally there will be someone who really doesn't drink, will get pancreatitis for uh, a variety of other reasons, but it's really rare. These are almost 99% associated with the use of alcohol mm-hmm. and um, liver transplants and the the abusive use of alcohol correct um, in terms of being more than what is considered safe amounts um, the people are and it might not be that they're having consequences that make them think oh I'm alcoholic but they're still drinking more than they should be drinking um, for their liver to be able to process it in a healthy way um, cancer We hear a lot about cancer, but most people do not recognize the direct link between alcohol and cancer. So it has um, been closely tied with people who develop cancers of the mouth. Having a discussion the other day with my dentist um, about the the oral check that he does, um, looking for cancers and um, talking about the role of alcohol Uh, in developing of these cancers, but also of the nasopharynx and the pharynx, um, the larynx, um, the esophagus, colon, and rectal cancers. Soft palate. Soft palate um, and breast cancer, very highly correlated with the use of alcohol as a causal agent for these cancers. So we hear a lot, and, and we're just finishing, I think, Breast Cancer Awareness Month or just starting it, Um, but one of the things that you see and don't think about is alcohol playing a role in the development of breast cancer. Well, and definitely not to go so far as to say as a causal. Right. um, Because the scientists are taking it one step further rather than just saying we've noticed that a lot of these women who have breast cancer drink, they're saying that the drinking is actually causing the breast cancer. Yes. I actually had heard um, a statistic related to esophageal cancer. Um, They already know that it's a pretty big cause, 
but this one was actually saying that that the people who have gone through treatment and have gone into remission, the percentage of those that come out of remission after they start drinking again is um, incredibly high. That the alcohol actually is is causing the relapse for the, the cancer. The relapses of not just the relapses from addiction, but relapses of cancer. In fact, the higher c- the consumption of alcohol, the greater the risk for the cancers that we mentioned, including pancreatic cancer, which is very quickly lethal and a, 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 a terrible cancer. Um, but consumption as low as one drink per day can cause a con- significant increased risk for some cancers like female breast cancer. So when we think about low-risk drinking being advised for women and for both genders over the age of 65 as being one standard drink per day, Mm -hmm. low risk does not mean no risk. Low risk means you've still got risk and it's highly correlated with breast cancer. So these are some of the things that I don't think people necessarily have really associated with. Uh, We think about drunk driving causing um, death. We think about uh, falls. We think about other accidents that are high contributors to death related to alcohol. But we don't necessarily think of some of these other system failures that are also related. And you certainly think of that phrase as low risk, meaning of becoming an addict. Right. Not necessarily of having any of these other problems. Correct. And uh, when they were developing that, they were also looking at uh, not just low risk for developing alcoholism, but low risk for developing lower risk for developing cardiovascular disease, um, some of these other um, problems, and um, infectious disease. We don't really think about the fact that alcohol decreases our immune system and increases the risk of pneumonia. Pneumonia is very commonly associated with alcohol use. And um, one of the very common reasons um, that we see for particularly older folks being hospitalized is related to pneumonia and this can be related to their use of alcohol. So uh, this is this is among the reasons that the World Health Organization has, has staked this out as a real major problem that needs to be addressed and that, ne- that policies and changes need to happen regionally and as well as locally to help reduce um, the risk of disease and death related to alcohol. So jumping away from disease and death into another statistic that I found amazingly impactful. Seven, no, 47% of people that are incarcerated admit that they were drunk when they were arrested. Is that not an amazingly high statistic? That is an amazingly high statistic. And I think that... um, not always are they arrested in the um, commission of the crime. Uh, they may be arrested at a later date, having been identified as being the perpetrator of a crime. Um, but these folks are, are drinking still. And it's really quite interesting to think about the fact that they were probably drinking when they committed the crime and that they were drinking when they were arrested, which may or may not have been 
closely linked in time. But probably connected in terms of that, that loss of judgment and loss of impulse control that comes from too much alcohol. Absolutely. Please stay tuned. We're going to keep talking about the global impact of alcohol. Thanks for listening. The disease of addiction is a life-altering challenge, not just for the person suffering its effects, but also for the family and friends who support and love the one caught in its grasp. What should be the course of treatment? Who is the best person to render treatment? And what is the best place to go for the care that is needed? We know that you want answers to these and many more questions. Call 770-696-9862 and speak to a representative of the Atlanta Healing Center. They can tailor a program specifically designed to address the needs of the person suffering with an addiction or give you guidance as to where that help may be found. Information is the key, and the trained staff at AHC is here to assist. If you wish, you can also get more information on the website located at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. Come join us on September 22nd at Historic Fourth Ward Park for the first ever Atlanta Walk a Mile in Her Shoes. Walk a Mile in Her Shoes asks men to literally walk one mile in women's high heel shoes as a way to express empathy to all victims of sexual assault. It's a lighthearted way to get the community talking about such a difficult subject. Are you man enough? Come join us. All proceeds benefit Day League, a 501c3 nonprofit organization. For more information and to register, go to Atlanta Walk a Mile in Her the disease of addiction is a life-altering challenge, not just for the person suffering its effects, but also for the family and friends who support and love the one caught in its grasp. What should be the course of treatment? Who is the best person to render treatment? And what is the best place to go for the care that is needed? We know that you want answers to these and many more questions. Call 770-696-9862 and speak to a representative of the Atlanta Healing Center. They can tailor a program specifically designed to address the needs of the person suffering with an addiction or give you guidance as to where that help may be found. Information is the key, and the trained staff at AHC is here to assist. If you wish, you can also get more information on the website located at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back. This is Detailing Addiction. I'm Dr. Susan Blank, and you're listening to America's Web Radio. This is National Recovery Month, and the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration has uh, been doing this for many years. This year, the theme is Join the Voices of Recovery. And the focus is on the impact of the disease of addiction on the individual, the family, the community. And we're taking it one step um, uh, higher uh, in terms of uh, looking at the global impact. And throughout this month, we're going to be talking about um, different ways in which uh, the disease of addiction does impact uh, all of these uh different groups and all of these um, uh, areas of a person's life and the community that they live in. Uh, I was really interested, David, as you were pointing out that uh, the strategies about the 
efforts being taken in Scotland. And one of the things that they realized as they began looking at the scope of the problem was that uh, not only was uh, alcohol cheap there, or let's say less expensive, but that it, that it had not risen in price. Uh, the same way that other goods and services had. So it got me thinking about, well, what's happening in the United States? Uh, how, how have we fared in terms of the price of alcohol and its uh, impact on the consumption of the alcohol? And I think it's really um, interesting to find out that the average price of alcohol um, compared to other commodities here in the United States, has actually gone down here too, starting from the 1950s. This is really actually an in- interesting statistic because you, when you go out and have a drink, you think that it's so much more expensive. Not that I go out and have a drink, but when I'm out with other people <laughs> who are having a drink, right? And you see what they're paying for for a drink. It's so much more than what. Um, than what was going on back in, in, you know, 20 years ago when I was actually still consuming. Mm-hmm. Um, so you don't think that that's, that statistic would be the case. Um, but it, it's pretty amazing. Right. Part of, part of what it talked about is the shift from um, drinking um, when you're going out and drinking in the establishments and the people that are buying it at liquor stores and grocery stores and drinking at home. And it's that price that really has gone down right. in comparison. And it's also the per- place where much of the drinking is now happening. So uh, on a good note, a lot of the, the accidents and the um, um, motor vehicles related to drinking has gone down worldwide, but the the other deaths because the drinking at home has gone gotten so much higher. Has gone up. In fact, uh, since 1950 in the United States, they've figured that the per capita uh, consumption of alcohol has risen over 30 percent since 1950. So the availability of alcohol in some of the outlets, that's been one of the discussions as we've been looking at what are ways to impact the consumption of alcohol. And it's that it is now available in gas stations in some states. It's available in grocery stores and pharmacies. It's available at movie theaters. It's available in many places now that 10 or 15 years ago, uh, you would have to go to a state-owned package store or um, some limited alcohol, um, uh, you know, allowed in restaurants or bars, and that there were many counties throughout the country that were actually dry counties where you could not have in um, uh, sale of of liquor. We're actually having a a vote here in Atlanta Uh in November to change the drinking laws in Atlanta for Sunday so that that in restaurants they can now serve alcohol beginning at 11 instead of having to wait until 1230. Until after church is out. And the the big issue that restaurant owners are saying is that Atlanta's losing all this business because people are just going outside of Atlanta to start drinking earlier. Um, and, and keeping up with the the Joneses in this market. <laughs> right. So one of the things that I found also interesting um, in terms of the cost of alcohol was that before Prohibition, 
federal taxes on alcohol were a major source of income for the federal government. Now, there was a lot of alcohol consumed before Prohibition, so there's that piece, but it was a major part. Um, then in 1907, um, 80% of the federal taxes were from alcohol, 80%. After World War II, they accounted for 10%, and today they are literally almost unrecognizable when you look at where the tax money comes from. Very little of the taxing has actually been um, attributed to the, pro the taxes added to alcohol. And so now only about 1% of the revenue um, of the state, federal, and local governments comes from alcohol tax. So this has been one of the ways in which alcohol prices have been able to uh, not only uh, stay low but to get lower compared to other goods and services. And this has created a big difference. Also, um, more recently, the Small Business Administration that gives loans to individuals who are trying to start small businesses have been providing loans to um, owners of taverns and liquor stores. And that used to not be the case. Uh, that would not be a particular business that the Small Business Administration would provide um, low-cost funding for. So the availability of some of these uh, outlets has now increased um, significantly. And um, we know that uh, a lot of places now have alcohol that can be purchased at a restaurant, for example, here in Atlanta. If you don't finish the bottle, they can bottle it up for you and put this little sticker on it, and you can take the rest of that alcohol home and drive home with it in your car. Um, so there are just all of these changes that have happened that are allowing more access at a lower price, just like they were seeing in, in Scotland, and uh, increasing to the bottom line of, um, of impact on the individual, the family, and the community, not necessarily adding to the bottom line of uh, tax revenue like it used to be. A real, real interesting, um, real interesting. That's really kind of amazing, actually, to listen to. Even having read it, to hear you talking about it and seeing and, and really hearing those those numbers have not changed and how much revenue has just not come in that way. Um, I keep thinking about about how these laws have really kind of changed subtly. Yes. You know, the, the, the recap and, and carry, mm -hmm. I believe, changed with the wine lobby. Mm -hmm. You know, people started having their wine lockers at various restaurants and nicer places, and, and um, it got to a point where you could actually have wine sales from private individuals, which used to never be the right. case. Everything used to come through, through package stores and government-sponsored stores. Um, you used to not be able to buy... Um, alcohol and have it shipped in from out of state. Like if you had a favorite winery in California, they used to not be able to ship it to Georgia. That's now they can do that. You had to enjoy it in California. Correct. Um, and you couldn't really bring it easily home with you. So again, very subtly, 
the uh, the idea that uh, you used to go to movie theaters that would serve food and they would often have alcoholic beverages that you could purchase and the, the wait staff would bring you the alcohol. Now you can go to a regular movie theater, not one of the dine-in movie theaters, but a regular movie theater, and you can buy alcohol there um, at the counter with your popcorn and your soda. So these subtle changes that have happened, and like it used to not be available to buy liquor on Sunday, and then liquor on Sunday at 1 o'clock and that's not okay now we've got to move it up to 1230 and now we want to move it to 11 just really interesting how how we see this becoming more and more acceptable and more and more people in favor of this and not necessarily recognizing the huge impact that this is having on people now there are plenty of people who can drink and be just fine with it. There, are, There's no uh, prohibition obviously did not work very well, mm-hmm. although cirrhosis rates did go down uh, during that period of time. <laughs> but um, we, we see that uh, the, the more we discount the negative impact, whether we're an eighth grader in, in junior high saying, hmm, Smoking's bad for me, I'm not going to smoke, but pot's not bad for me, I'm going to smoke more pot. And we see this change now that more kids are smoking pot than smoking cigarettes. Uh, The perceived harm, as that uh, goes down, uh, the consumption levels at all ages goes up. And we're seeing that over and over again. And the amount of alcohol consumed by... Um, Americans is really not that much uh, different. I think we we drink uh, 2.3 gallons per um, adult in the United States per year. And in Scotland, they were saying uh, when you do the conversion, it's about uh, um, 2.6 gallons, I think, um, per person. So really not much not difference much at difference. all. Um, but... There was some higher math involved in that, so I, I, I'm not going to swear that it was um, was okay. So this is um, this so that is actually gets us somewhere between England and Wales and Scotland, with right. Scotland being the highest of the group, but not by much. Right, and then interestingly, when they're looking at the impact um, globally, there have been some regional changes that have been major. And two big markets that have seen a huge increase in their consumption of alcohol have been China and India. And so this um, uh, change in their economy, change in the disposable income that people are having, change in the loosening up, particularly in China, around capitalism and um, having goods and services, seeing a lot more alcohol consumed in these two um, in these two countries, which is is something that the World Health Organization is is keeping an eye on, because in other places like Africa and actually in Europe, they're seeing a decrease in uh, in alcohol consumption. Some of these other countries are stepping right up and uh, and taking up the slack. So. Well, we've got we've got a demand. We've got to fill. It's the demand of of um, capitalism. <laughs> uh, for sure. It's interesting though because 
what they're also studying is the impact on the future, and they're looking at, at the adolescents of today that are going to be the ones that are, you know, taking care of us old folks and not that, that many years. And so there's a sense of we need these adolescents to be able to step up and be productive adults. Um, and and they're, so they're looking at what are some of the things that impact them um, and one of the one of the things that that really stood out to me was that in predicting which of these adolescents are going to move on to have adult problems, um, the younger they start, and if there's if there's an acceptance of binging, um, mm-hmm. and in particular if there's if there's binging that's happening in the adolescent years, that's a big predictor that they're going to drop out of college. Um, and it's a big predictor that they're going to go on to have um, significant adult problems. Binging in college actually um, is a predictor that they're going to finish college. <laughs> <laughs> so it's keeping them connected. But um, definitely the, the younger that they start it and the, the um, I think the permissiveness, which is what's mm-hmm. subtly changing with all of these things that we're talking about, it's becoming more permissive to see the alcohol. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to look at um, what are some of the uh, proposed solutions and how might we be helpful in impacting the global consumption of alcohol. Please stay tuned. The disease of addiction is a life-altering challenge, not just for the person suffering its effects, but also for the family and friends who support and love the one caught in its grasp. What should be the course of treatment? Who is the best person to render treatment? and what is the best place to go for the care that is needed. We know that you want answers to these and many more questions. Call 770-696-9862 and speak to a representative of the Atlanta Healing Center. They can tailor a program specifically designed to address the needs of the person suffering with an addiction or give you guidance as to where that help may be found. Information is the key and the trained staff at AHC is here to assist. If you wish, you can also get more information on the website located at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. Come join us on September 22nd at Historic Fourth Ward Park for the first ever Atlanta Walk a Mile in Her Shoes. Walk a Mile in Her Shoes asks men to literally walk one mile in women's high heel shoes as a way to express empathy to all victims of sexual assault. It's a lighthearted way to get the community talking about a difficult subject. Are you man enough? Come join us. All proceeds benefit Day League, a 501c3 nonprofit organization. For more information and to register, go to Atlanta Walk a Mile in Her Shoes. Perhaps you are struggling to cope with the disease of addiction. If not, you probably know a family member or friend that needs help in battling the cravings and the personal and professional damage done by the effects of drugs or alcohol. Get a pen and paper and be ready to write down the following. These are the issues that the trained staff at the Atlanta Healing Center address and treat every day. Their doctors and counselors with over 40 years of practice in the field of addiction can treat the suffering individual in a thoughtful, compassionate, and experienced manner and guide him or her along the path to recovery. So call 770-696-9862 and speak to a knowledgeable staff member about how you or your loved one can be helped to enjoy a better and healthier life. 
More information is also available on the website at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back. This is Detailing Addiction. Happy Recovery Month, and uh, welcome to our show. We're talking today about the uh, global impact of alcohol and some of the ways in which the World Health Organization, Countries like Scotland, certainly groups like um, the NIAAA, which is the National Institute of Alcohol and Alcohol Abuse, um, their strategic plans for colleges and universities. Uh, there are lots of different groups, including the um, the Healthy uh, Adults 2020, which is a national um goal that has been set. Um, we're running a little behind in terms of um, being meeting that goal for reducing the consumption of alcohol here in the United States. But um, there are many different ways in which um, we understand that we can impact and we can decrease not just the consumption of alcohol, but even more importantly, decrease the morbidity and mortality. One of the things to think about is that alcohol is one of the most commonly used drugs among adolescents, and unfortunately, it is one of the leading causes of death and injury. When you think about uh, local news, uh, listening to high school students talk, a very common way in which we hear about young, healthy adolescents and young adults dying is in motor vehicle accidents associated with drinking or drugged driving. And this is a very preventable uh, cause of death and one that we really need to take seriously. So one of the ways in which the World Health Organization was suggesting that we look at um, lowering the impact of drunk and drug driving is to reduce the uh, blood alcohol level that would be considered a DUI and drop it from a 0.8 down to a 0.2 or a 0.5. And so this is cutting it um, by <laughs> by quite a bit uh, and would um, definitely put most people with one drink in the not safe to drive category. Yeah. But that may be one way that. So part of what they did with that, at least in England, mm-hmm. is when they dropped it to um, 0.2, they also made the consequence that if you get a DUI, you automatically lose your license for a year. Um, and that pretty much stopped drinking and driving. They found it didn't necessarily reduce the impact of drinking so much as right. it, it reduced the drinking in public situations, um, and it, it reduced um, the drinking and driving, right. But which is good. That's a g- really good right. thing, absolutely a good thing. But, but um, the people who were going to still drink... Um, going to st- find a way. Found a way. Um, so... Sometimes there are unintended consequences, but one of the hope 
that we have uh, with the um, Healthy People 2020 uh, is to actually reduce the annual consumption to no more than 2.1 gallons. Uh, currently, um, there are 29 states in the District of Columbia that are at least 10% above that target, and they're greater than 2.3 gallons per uh, capita. Um, there are only um, 12 states that are less than 10%, but still above that, and there are only five states that are below the target. Um, so we're not doing so well. So five states have reached the target and right. have surpassed it. Right. If I'm hearing that correctly. Correct. Um, these were states that were already <laughs> pretty low consumption, uh, like the state of Utah, uh, that doesn't have a really high level. So of they were already close to there. They were already doing a pretty good job. So the thing that say. struck me in mm -hmm. in that stat was that that was taken in 2016, and right. they were saying we've got this much to drop each year in order to make this goal. And now two years later, um, we probably need to double how much we have to drop each year to make that goal. Exactly, because um, we've seen 33 states actually increase their consumption of alcohol. Since that point. Since that point. So that's not, uh, we're not moving in the right direction with that. So we gotta, we've got to work a little bit harder. And one of the things that I think in our last few minutes, David, that we can probably have the biggest impact is going back to uh, the monitoring the future studies and looking at how, what are the ways that we can decrease the, the starting the use of alcohol, particularly among our eighth graders, um, our middle school kids, even our elementary school kids. There's, there's definitely a battle going on between um, economics Right. And um, the capitalism and um, what's healthy for everybody in terms of alcohol. And and so a lot of the things that they're actually talking about in that, that um, monitoring the future and working mm -hmm. with adolescents is really getting back to some of the basic values that, that our country has had and, mu and many countries have had in order to um, shape the, the – young people's perception of alcohol. And one of the most important things, even when we look at peers, even when we look at um, marketing, when we look at all kinds of things that might be impacting why a child might start to use, that is involvement by the parents. The parents' um, participation, the parents monitoring and overseeing their child's activities, the parents' attitudes around um, drinking, and not that, well, if you're going to drink, let's drink at home, but no, it's illegal to drink under the age of 21, and it's a bad idea for your brain. There's no good reason for you to drink in our home we don't drink under the age of 21. That kind of standard has a huge impact. That may not mean that your child is not going to go out and drink, but they, the studies have been showing very clearly since 1975 that per parental involvement and parental opinions and messages are one of the single most important predictors of whether or not young people are going to get in trouble with alcohol and subsequently with other drugs. So 
parents, they may not be paying attention to you, they may not be listening to you, but it is really important that they um, that they dear, do hear the message and that you are really encouraging them uh, to stay safe and to stay sober, this will have a big impact on, on the young people. Um, and regardless of what your belief system is, what the studies have shown is if you are involved with a religious community, correct. regardless of what ch- which that religion religious community is. is, whether it's Christian or Jewish or whichever, that that impact itself brings down the the risk of um, the adolescent becoming somebody with a substance use disorder. The other part of that is attending religious schools, and I found that to be very interesting and pretty consistent through the monitoring of the future. Uh, Kids that also were involved in um, low-risk behaviors um, and kids that have a positive feeling about school. Helping your child be successful in school, that doesn't mean you do their homework, but that does mean that you pay attention, that you encourage, that you reward them for their efforts, and that you have positive things to say, and that if you notice that there is a problem for your child with their learning, with their ability to complete tasks, with their uh, their struggling with assignments, uh, being involved with the PTA, being involved with school, helping your child be successful and role modeling that success um, will be very impactful. These things are what makes a difference. Because early on, if you're noticing that they're getting in fights and they're getting in trouble and, and you don't take some action to set that up, then this monitoring report really points towards those kids having a, a difficult future. And with that difficult future is not just with alcohol but with other um, kinds of high-risk behaviors. So we wish you a very happy recovery month, and we will see you again next week on Detailing Addiction. Thanks for listening. Perhaps you are struggling to cope with the disease of addiction. If not, you probably know a family member or friend that needs help in battling the cravings and the personal and professional damage done by the effects of drugs or alcohol. Get a pen and paper and be ready to write down the following. These are the issues that the trained staff at the Atlanta Healing Center address and treat every day. Their doctors and counselors with over 40 years of practice in the field of addiction can treat the suffering individual in a thoughtful, compassionate, and experienced manner and guide him or her along the path to recovery. So call 770-696-9862 and speak to a knowledgeable staff member about how you or your loved one can be helped to enjoy a better and healthier life. More information is also available on the website at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. 45 years of experience is behind the most trusted name in auto transportation. Passport Transport, the first and finest today. That's why Passport Transport is the preferred auto transport for major auto manufacturers, concours, museums, tours, and collectors, and should be your choice from across the state to across the country. When you have the need, go to PassportTransport.com and enjoy the peace of mind referenced experience will give you. Passport Transport. 
Come join us on September 22nd at Historic Fourth Ward Park for the first ever Atlanta Walk a Mile in Her Shoes. Walk a Mile in Her Shoes asks men to literally walk one mile in women's high heel shoes as a way to express empathy to all victims of sexual assault. It's a lighthearted way to get the community talking about such a difficult subject. Are you man enough? Come join us. All proceeds benefit Day League, a 501c3 nonprofit organization. For more information and to register, go to Atlanta Walk a Mile in Her Shoes. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Another episode of America's Web Radio. You're going to hear Common Sense Radio right now, ladies and gentlemen. This is the 2 